0: Amen. Okay. Can I have one person join on the other side? So that... uh, To see everyone today. And uh, I believe that we had... um, we had conversation last week and uh, we continue from there we're looking at the life of a very special man called Abraham who was Abram and we know in Genesis chapter Genesis chapter 17 His name was changed from Abram to from Habram to Abraham, and then the name of the wife was changed from Sarai to Sarah. Of course, uh, that was God cutting covenant with Abraham. So we started looking at the life of Abraham from Genesis chapter 12, Genesis 12, and of course, if you look at the, if you, if you, if you start reading from Genesis chapter 11, you will see um, the family line of Abraham from Shem. Shem was one of Noah's sons, right? You agree? Now, sons were Shem, Ham, and what? Japheth. This is Bible study, right? So get to uh, make your Bible your friend. And so we see the family line from Shem to Abraham from Genesis 11, verse. Ten to twenty-six. Interestingly, I was just looking at all these stuff today. Apart from Shem, who was hundred years old when he became the father of Afax or Abaz, I don't know. Shem lived five hundred years and had other sons and daughters every other person seems to marry at 35 except for Abraham's father, Terah, who married at, who begat, not marry, who begat Abraham at 70 years. Every other person seems to have their first child or maybe second as the case may be at 35, 36, 35. Uh, Why? I wouldn't know. But, you know, I just observed that anyway. Maybe I'll get to study more about that. So, Terah or Terah, lived 70 years. It became, when Terah lived 70 years, I beg your pardon, he became the father of Abraham, Nahor and Haran. And we read from Genesis uh, 11, the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abraham now, and, and Haran became the father of Lot, while his father Terah, was still alive. Haran died in the hell of the Chaldeans the land of his birth, Abram and Nahor. Married uh, the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milka and Iska. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Okay. Terah took his son, Abram, his grandson, Lot of, Lot's son of his grandson, Lot's Let me read that again, Genesis eleven thirty one. Terah took his son, Abraham, his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his his grandson, Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law, the wife of his son, Abraham, and together they set out from all the cardians to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. settled there. Terah lived two or five years and he died in Haran. Now if you look at the events and you look at the opening of Genesis chapter 12 wherein we read that God had already spoken to Abraham because God said in Genesis chapter 12 verse 1 the Lord had said to Abraham if you read all other versions you would agree that at some point in Abraham's life, the Lord had spoken to him. Accounts uh, recorded that Abraham was 50 when the Lord spoke to him. So, he possibly he shared it with his father because could that be what informed the decision of the father to leave where they were to settle in Haran because they were in the hall of the Cardians? Could that be the reason why they, they left? Could that be that he wanted to be part of the, part of Abraham's journey? Possibly so. Uh, um, but for them to have settled in Haran meant that Abraham had an unfinished journey, which he had to continue. And so, so the Lord spoke to him and said, Guy, wake up. We had a deal. This is not where you should be. And so uh, move and. This is the time that I'm going to start a journey with you. And we know that Abraham was, was uh, the father of a new nation called Israel. So God wanted to do something spectacular with the life of Abraham, which was at that time, before the event of Genesis chapter 17, known to be Habram. I said to Ross the meaning of Abraham or Habram last week. Can anybody remember? What does it mean, Abraham? Abraham. A B R A M. Can you remember? Yeah. An exalted father. So God changed his name to Abraham, which eh? To Abraham. 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 What does that mean? Ah, huh? father of nations. Okay. Okay. Yes. And uh, one thing we know Abraham to be was was a man of good faith. Genesis chapter sixteen. Genesis chapter 16 chapter 16 verse 6 says Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it unto him as righteousness. That was uh, the level of faith that Abraham had in God. that His faith had to be equal to his righteousness. And so we had conversation last week and I said to Ross that every other person we know that Abraham used to be a moon worshiper and at that time moon was seen to be the 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 God that they believed to be the one in control of the life cycle of man just the same way you and I see God, Jehovah now they saw moon as the one that controls the universe. So, Abraham was an idol worshiper with his father, and the whole Cardians, uh, going back to history, is known to be Iraq today. And it was a city that was very developed. Uh, we, you know, I remember you remember that I said that the bathtub that we know today was invented in the heart of the Cardians. So it was a city that was filled with uh, a lot of inventions and development. And Abraham was known to be very successful even at the time that God spoke to him. And so God said to Abraham, "See, You just have to trust me. I need you to, to leave all the familiar, all the comfort that you perhaps have built for yourself all the name, the fame, the success, the businesses that you have built and move from where you were to a place that I'm going to show you. And I said to Ross jokingly that every other person that was Abraham's friend at that time could have thought he was foolish. How could a 75-year-old man say that I'm going somewhere? Someone will have, will have asked him, so Father Abraham or Abraham, where are you going to my friend? Right. Even uh, his wife, perhaps, could have, must have asked. Even Lot, that was his nephew, must have asked. So where are we going? And says, I'm going to a land that the land that the Lord said he's going to show me. All right? So, um, he had a choice. He had a choice. Just the same way you and I have so many options this day. You, we have a cho- you have a choice to believe God or not. You have a choice to follow him or not. You have a choice to stay true to righteousness. You have a choice to, between following God, doing his will and his ways, you have a choice. You could rather say, I, I, I want to be be with the world rather than be with Jesus. Uh, you have a choice to conform with the, with the ways of the world. You have a choice. Just like Abraham had a choice. Abraham had a choice to stay in Haran and enjoy all the comfort and is the, the fruit of his hard work? He had a choice to continue to serve the moon god, who perhaps had a quote made him prosperous, but yet he chose to follow God's way. So there is always a choice, you see. God was admonishing. Uh, his children in the wilderness and he said, I have have set before you this day life and what? And death. But I will admonish you to choose life. I have mentioned it to us time over again that God will never violate our will. He doesn't. Because if God is a God that violates one's will, all forces is we've done our truth. Everyone should believe God. But Jesus speaking says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. When you open, I will come in. So, I am not going to come into your life until you open. So, you have a choice to, to, to follow God or not. But you see, the thing is, following God leads to life eternal. So it is either following God, which leads, following Jesus. The Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is life. The Bible is clear about it. And then you also have a choice to follow the other way. But you must also consider the consequences of your decision. I think for Abraham, he just chose God because he knows that God could be trusted with his life. And indeed, God can be trusted. So before we before I say what God has laid on my heart for today's discussion, still talking about Abraham, I said to us last week that. Go and study also. Come back with your note or with what the Lord has ministered to you. So I'm sure you are here today with something to share with us. Can I get a witness in the house? If you're online, please you can type at the on the uh, you can type. Just look for the comments sec, section and let's have your thoughts on the life of Hebron. So anybody wants to open the floor for us? I should start to mention names. Or did you study at all? If you you study about Abraham, can I get a witness? Can you wave your hands? I think it's a good place to start. Ah. Eh? Don't start that one. Seven days. Ah. Ah. Sure, I think you Yeah, whatever it is that you know, it's okay. It's just good to share.
1: This is this,
0: that's what makes Bible study interesting, you know. Okay, so show you want to start Not yet? Eh? You forgot your notes. You want to say something to us? Victoria? Okay. You did not study. Raise your hand. Okay. God, have mercy. Amen. Okay, let's do it together. It's okay. I'm sure. Are you in church with your Bible? Are you in church with your phone? Okay. Are you in church with your note? Okay. So, um, let's just do a quick recap and then we'll take it it on from there. So, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. So, if you want to read about Abraham's genealogy start from um, chapter 11 verse 10 and then read up to the end so in verse 12, in chapter 12 the Lord had said to Abraham go from your country, your people your father's household to the land I will show you I will make you into a great nation I will bless you in other words if you, if you can trust me I will make you into a great nation. Remember, God had this agenda from the beginning. From the time that Adam fell, God had put in place his plans from the foundation of the world. And so God was going to start a new crop of people through which Of course, we know that Jesus was a Jew, right? And if you study the life of Abraham or the life of the general of Jesus, you will see Abraham as the great, 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 great grandfather because that's what it is. So, God said to him, if you will trust me, I will make you into a great nation. So if you will trust God He will make you into a great nation If you will obey He will make you into a great nation He will bless you So uh, uh, blessing is equal to obedience Or blessing is premised on obedience Obedience we read on Sunday about uh, the, the madman of gathering or oh, Garius, yes. Garius, yes, in the book of Luke, isn't it? And you know, I shared with us that perhaps you've really never paid attention that even someone that just got healed or somebody who just got back his sanity could be committed the responsibility of preaching the gospel of Jesus, the good news to a town because he simply obeyed the instructions of Jesus so when we obey God's instructions concerning our lives blessings are attached to obeying what God has said to us. And in blessing, there are three things that we could see. I shared that with us last week. It says, I will bless you. I will, okay, we have it on the screen. Just pay attention. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. In other words, I will not only bless you, you will be famous. You will be famous. And not only blessing you, I will bless you on such that you also become blessing. You become a channel of blessing unto others. You'll be able to transfer the blessing to other people if you obey and i will bless those who bless you and, I, and whoever curses you i will curse so you have primacy in name you will have uh, you will have protection So, in, in God's blessing, there is protection. Amen. So, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Aran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possession of that had accumulated and the people that had acquired in Aram and they set out for the land of Canaan, they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Hebra and said to your offspring, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. You will see at every, uh, uh, every turn of Abraham's life, he built an altar for the Lord. In other words, beyond believing in God, Abraham loved the Lord. He built an altar for the Lord. As you begin to read, even in verse chapter thirteen, Abraham built an altar. What is the most important thing in your life? Everyone has altar. To some people, mammon is their altar. Money, fame. Whatever it is that you worship, whatever it is that takes a priority in your life becomes your God. For Hebram, it's not his wealth first, his obedience to God is key, and the worship of God is important to him more than, the, more than all that he had ever acquired. And uh, what is worship? Anybody wants to give us a definition? Take that home for next class. Abraham was a worshiper. I'm not talking about standing and leading people to worship. I'm talking about your personal communion with your father. A time that you have set aside to to adore him. And you see, beyond just setting a time aside to worship God, the way we live our lives must worship Him. You see, Jesus speaking to that woman by the well says, a time will come where you don't need to go to that mountain in Jerusalem to worship. They that must worship Him worship Him in spirit and in truth. From there, he went towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and high on the east, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. He called on the name of the Lord. Who do you call? Right, you see, I pray the Lord have mercy on everyone. Most of the time, it looks as if God is usually the last option, like I haven't tried all and it's not working. Then we remember that ah, let me call on the name of the Lord. You will cuckoo answer me. And this seems to be the life of a number of people. It doesn't matter to you when all is well, when everything is going on fine, God doesn't matter. And sometimes when things are bad, we blame it on God. Even for stupid decisions and foolish decisions that we take sometimes. Reckless decision without consulting the Holy Spirit, without even thinking through. We blame it on God. That, ah, but you they said you love me. But your Bible says that you love me. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? That's a case study. For some people, when all is not working, that's when we remember ah, God is able to make a way where there is no way. That's when we we'll remember to fast. In fact, check the motive for your fast. Have you ever said to yourself that, ah, today I'm just going to fast in adoration to God, just to worship Him? Some of you can go on seven-day fast when there is a need your life, as if you can untwist God to make it happen. Build an altar. Set aside. I'm not saying build a shrine. no. Set your heart. As an altar for him. The Bible says to us that do you not know that your body is the temple of the Lord? Your mind has become an altar for God. So, whatever it is that comes to your heart will tell you whether God is actually the king of your heart or, or some other things. Amen. Then Abraham set out and continued. He continued. So Now there was a famine in the land and Abraham went down to to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But we let you leave. Say you are my sister. Looks like Father Abraham was telling a little lie here, right? Eh? Come again. Is Sarah not his sister truly? Well, in this case, Sarah was his wife say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you when Abraham came to Egypt, Virginia saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman and when Pharaoh officials saw her they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace he treated Abraham well for her sake and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle male female donkeys Male, female servant, and camel. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarah. Not because of Abraham's sister Sarah. You have a question? Okay. This Abraham light. Okay. Okay, so, anybody wants to give an answer? Okay, so this is it. Um, the first question is why did he lie, right? He was afraid. He was afraid. You see, that's what fear does to. Why do people tell lies, really? Eh? People tell lies, a lot of people tell lies because they don't want to be caught. He was just afraid. He was afraid of being killed. You see, it, it was just the way those days. Someone, a king can just take somebody else, somebody, a girl, and just... Beautiful. The king might not even touch that girl for for, for... for years. And nobody there takes the wife of the king. So just be in the chamber. So, he, he knew that... See, if if he had emphasized the fact that this might happen. This is what Pharaoh, that will lead me to answering your question because I've been thinking, why would God punish Pharaoh? Really? It could just be a way to just deter him from taking people's, from taking people anyhow he likes. Possibly so. Possibly so. Because that's that's covetousness, coveting people's people's property. King doesn't own everything. That's what God is trying to tell him. I mean, and you are, you must also know that God already had an agenda for Abraham and Sarah. So God will stop at nothing to ensure that his intentions come to pass in someone's life. Okay, so... That is also to tell you that Abraham wasn't a perfect human being. And so... So Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me? He said, Why did you, why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men. They sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had acquired well if you look at Genesis chapter 20 verse 12 Sarah was possibly Abraham's half sister but also his wife But in this case, which is what I said earlier on, in that matter, in that context, it was his wife. She was his wife. Wife, wife, wife. That was was half-truth. Half-truth, as it were. But what made Abraham primarily say to Sarah, tell the king that you are my sister. It's more because of fear. He was afraid of being killed. Perhaps he forgot that God had also offered him protection. You see, fear is a spirit that every believer must trust God to completely exude from our lives. It's a weapon that the devil uses a lot of time. You know, Pastor Funke said to us last Sunday, what we call fear of the unknown. I, I cannot find that in the Bible. So why should that exist in your life? The Bible says that the God, for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but of love, power, and the sound of mind. Fear will, will prevent us from taking a step of faith. And Adam in Genesis said, I heard your voice. I was afraid and I hid myself. That was the first time ever ever, that the word fear will appear in the Bible. I mean, that I have before me. We cannot live our lives in fear. We should only fear God. But not any other thing. when we live in fear, we become cold. And that affects our faith. It affects our trust. What is faith? Faith is absolute trust in God, right? And then you begin to doubt the instructions or the promises of God for your life. Just the same way perhaps Abraham forgot that God had already offered him protection. I will bless those that bless you that will curse those that curses you. That's protection. Verse 13. So, So, Abraham went from Egypt to the Negev with his wife, everything he had, and Lot went with him. Do you remember that Lot was not part of Abraham's journey. Lot was not part of God's instruction. If God would have been very clear to say that, leave with your nephew and go to the land that I was going to show you or I'm going to show you. He says, leave all. Take what is next to you, your wife, everything, every other thing. I just have this journey to walk with you, you and you alone. And so Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From, Nege- from Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and I, where his tent had been earlier. And where he had first built an altar, there Abraham called on the name of the Lord, what I will say here is Abraham was a man that will always return to God. In other words, despite the fact that Abraham had he had traveled far and wide, he had become so wealthy, God had increased him, or he had increased in all his possession, he still returned to God, he returned to God. Some of us, I mean, let me put it this way. No matter how high or famous you become, because I believe God is going to make you famous, he's going to increase you, he's going to bless you, never forget God. Abraham, despite the fact that he had all, he had increased. Of course, we just read the scriptures. Verse 13, verse 2. Chapter 13, verse 2, I beg your pardon. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. You see, I need you to understand that the blessings of God transcends f- material things. Abraham at this time did not have details of what God was going to do. He was just acting on obedience. So someone could have thought that maybe God, maybe you've just, you just made you just made something that you've never made before. Maybe you just got a contract that you've never gotten before. And that's Then you set yourself or in your definition that's how you think God wants to make you successful. No, there is more. There is more. There is certainly more. Abraham had become not wealthy. Very. You see, very is qualifying the wealth. Very wealthy. He did not say, now I have arrived. I don't need God anymore. I don't need to worship him anymore. He returned to the place that he had earlier built an altar for God. Never forget. Now, Lot, who was moving about with Abraham also had flocks and heads and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together. What a good company Abraham and Lot was in. The, The blessing is already showing or reflecting on his nephew's life. They were so prosperous that where they were could not support them anymore. And that was when the problem started. Now, there was strife between... I just might want us to just look at the age difference between Abraham and, and Lot. Abram must be way, way older. Because if you look at it, let's go back to Genesis chapter The way the Bible has arranged them. Just so I'm sure. Terah became the father of Abraham. Now, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. If we want to follow this thing, because they are arranged in their... According to their height, Abraham was the first, right? Then, second, then the third. So, the last one was the father of Lot. I, I could just have imagined Abraham must have, maybe because the guy lost his father at a very tender age, Abraham must have loved him so much. Like in his life, Abraham was the father figure. Because at that time, the father of Abraham had died and Lot just went with him. Like, my little one, I cannot, there is no one to take care of you. Just let's go, follow me. You could have, like the guy, the one that runs after him. You know that kind of love that you have for your uncle? That's loving uncle of yours. Or that's your aunt, the one that you love so much. And I've Come to realize that the love that you have for people when you were younger, the people that you love so much when you were young, no matter what they do to you, really, at some point, the love will still be there, right? Okay, let's let's leave that. So, <laughs> I should not expect strife to exist after all. I a lot could have thought that I should have passed the message across to his men that this is my big uncle. And so, strife began. So, let's continue to read. In fact, I like the way this, this version put it. Now, Lot, who was moving about? Moving about. Oh, Whenever my uncle goes, I will follow. Uncle, it is you and me, you know, that kind of love thing. And Abraham must have loved lot. You could see that even when, as we begin to read further. You could see the display of and, a, and a, a deep affection for Lot. And quarreling arose between Abraham's headers and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So, Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. What an humble man. C- can you just imagine he didn't say, Lot. if I had not taken you along with me, you would have died. With all the things I have done for you, you now want to be setting your men against my own. You have no respect. You, this boy. Right? If Abraham had said that, who would have judged him to be correct? He ah, you are very rude. What a rude boy you are. No, that kind of stuff. Like I am not Sheikh Be, Moreo in all things, by age, in wealth Kidig, what do you have?" He called him his nephew, much more younger than him. He says, "Come, sit down. Let' there not be strife between me and you." It's not necessary. See, the land is so large. If choose any part, if you go left, I'm going to go right. If you go right, I'm going to go left. You you just choose first. You see, Abraham putting his cousin, his nephew, first.
1: And I think this is how
0: God wants us to live our lives, really. He wants us to bear others in our minds, in our decisions. He wants us to think about how our decisions affect their lives. I believe that a nation, this nation, Nigeria, will have been a better place for everyone to live. Only if if people that are saddled with responsibilities, our leaders, could think about how their decision will affect the citizen first. And you can start where you are. We don't have to inherit what is wrong. And you see, it's not something that starts when they get there. It's something that has been with them. It is just the way. It is just natural for any man to think about himself first. But that's not the way of the kingdom. We should not be caught in the ways of the world. Selfishness. When you don't think about others first. And he says, there is no competition. There is no fight. Life is not a competition. He says, choose first. Choose first. So Abraham said to his nephew, Let's part company. If you go to the left, I will go to the right. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Lot looked around and what? Saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zohar was well watered like the garden of the Lord. Hmm. Like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah anyway. So Lot chose for himself he chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. That looked good to him. But, but of course by the time you study Lot's life, you, you, you will see the consequences of this action that he took where was God so possibly Abraham Lot was perhaps going to the altar to worship with Abraham but never knew the God of Abraham where was God in Lot's decision and a lesson here also you don't have to hold on to people that God has said to you part ways with them you don't have to hold on to them because shortly after this happened, something happened in Abraham's life. Let's read further. After Lot left. No, okay, verse 13. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham, After Lot had what? After After Lot parted ways with him. See, dear brethren, if God says leave a company of people that you are that go pay, see it the way God has seen it and just follow God. After all, we know that God can be trusted anyway. There are some, and, you know, I've said this to us before, at every phase of our lives, it's important that we do a spiritual audit to people around us. To see whether they are necessary for the journey ahead. If they are not needed. If the spirit is telling you that they are not needed. Drop them. Otherwise they will hold you down. And delay your journey. They will become a burden. That you have to carry. And such burdens are always very heavy. The only burden that is light is Jesus' burden. He says, my yoke is easy. Why? Because I am going to yoke with you. Yoke is I am going to walk with you and I am going to carry the, heavy, the, the load for you. Don't worry. You just party with me and let's journey together. Don't hold on to things that God has said you should drop. Because they look good to you. Because they appear helpful, helpful to you. Say, ah, who will now help me? Just be sure God is leading you. And as long as God is leading you, it will sustain you. God does not leave his own. So after Lot left, the Lord said, more or less like God was waiting for Abraham to make this decision anyway. Now we are at a new phase of our journey, Abraham. Right? The Lord said to him, Look around where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. This is the first time this will appear for the word forever an eternal inheritance. I am going to give to you and your offspring forever. When we obey God, He is pleased with us. He is happy with us. When we obey Him, He is is pleased. Our life will please Him. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. So Abraham went to live near the great trees of Mary of Hebron where he pitched his tent. There he built what there he built an altar. You know, I said to Ross, don't forget if you want to write this down, write it down. Don't attach God's blessing to money. how to material things. There is more to. And this is where we, a number of us, we've gotten things wrong. and that's what makes a lot of people desperate when their definition of blessing and success is cars, houses, shoes, bags, uh, bone straights, Atibebelo, <laughs> Gucci. There was a boy. We were told that once he entered Gucci shop, uh, shop, I beg your pardon, like they, that's, they are closed for the day. Of course, you know the person I'm talking about. <laughs> a very desperate fellow. Where is he today? Eh? The man, has, the man has no freedom anymore. Wherever he is, he can't shall walk the way he used to. When we understand God's blessing, we will be content. Because you understand that. <laughs> Small, although all those things are just an addendum, you know, when, it's when they call something an addendum, they are just addition, they will just run, they will keep running after you. Will keep running, they are the one begging you, they will be running after you. Amen. <laughs> so, Abraham went to live near the trees, the great trees of Mary, and Hebron, where he pitched his tent there. plenty of things you might note, but uh, I've said to us that Abraham was a God lover. Pitching tents, building altars and worshipping God. And so when we live our lives this way, God is pleased with us. Right? In chapter 14, there was a, an extraordinary display of love and strength from Abraham. Extraordinary display of love towards his nephew because I could have told her, well, since he has left, that should be the end. But in verse 14, there was a king called Kedolauma. He was a very powerful king who conquers cities and make them to be um, is subjects who pay taxes because those days the sign or the what makes you a great king is is how many how many cities how many kings you have captured and so when you capture a kingdom or a, a, a town or a city taxes of those of such places will be paid to you and so, uh, you, will, you will grow, you will increase in wealth and in number of people that could be in your battle. Or, I mean, in your army. I beg your pardon. So, history tells us that this king, this king had, already, had already conquered ten kings who were just subject to him. So, he is in control of about ten kingdoms. It was a very powerful king. Very powerful king. And so, let's read further. At that time, when Amraphel was king of Shinar, Hario king of Eleazar, Kadolama king of Halan, and Tilda king of Geom, these kings went to war against Bera king of Sodom, Besha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab king of Adma, Shemba king of Zeboa, and the king of Bela, that is Zohar. All these kings later king's joined forces in the valley of Sidon, that is the Dead Sea Valley, for 12 years, they had been what? S- subject. They had been what? 12 years they had served this is spelling, this spelling is K or something like that. Kedolama, and in the 13th year, they rebelled. He was a very powerful king. In the fourteenth year Kedolama and the kings allied with him went out and defeated the Raphite, Hashtur, Keman, the Suzite, in Ham the Emite, in Shava, Kriatim and the Aroit in the hill country of Shea, as far as Helper near the desert. Then they turned back and went to Hell Mis. Mis- Misfat that is Kadesh and they conquered the whole territory of Amalekite as well as the Amorites who were living in Ezizontama. then the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, the king of Hadma the king of Zebuam, the king of Bela marched out and drew up their battles line in Valley of Sidon against the king of Haran, Tedor king of Geum Afra king of Sh- Shina and Hiro king of Elasa four kings against five Now the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits. And when the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, one of the men fell into them and and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized the gods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their gods and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possession since he was living in Sodom. Just look at these kings and the power they possibly could have. In terms of number and in weaponry, they were powerful kings. And you know, when, when you conquered, right, all the people that you have, all the people that were with the other king that you conquered, they become your, the slave or war slave as they call them. Right? Quite a, a, a powerful, powerful king he was and powerful kings there were. And so, the man that they, that escaped they ran, alright? A had fled came and reported this to Abraham, the Hebrew. Now, now, Abraham was living near the great tree of Mary, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Anna, all of whom were allied with Abraham. <laughs> When Abraham heard that his relatives his relative had been taken captive, he called out how many people? Eh? 318 trained men. Amen. Let's read it together. 318 trained servants. Who were what? And went in pursuit as far as Dan. So just imagine just imagine how big his kingdom, even Abraham's kingdom will possess that's bigger than the number of towns, isn't it? Or villages as it were. All of them born in what in his house. They have fathers who oh. they will have siblings, oh. and they will have wives, their parents will have wives. They were all. They were trained to become mighty. You see, let's take, a, let's take a lesson from here. What do you do with people that you are encountering in life as you grow? Even the people in your household who are domestic staff. What do you do with them? These people were ordinary. They, they could have been ordinary people just eating food and giving birth to children. Perhaps helping him to, you know, feed the cow, clean his house. But Abraham thought there could be more to their lives. So Abraham, or Habram was a man of great strength. He was bold and he was a man of war. I have said it to Ross many times, Christianity is not, it's not, um, a walk in the park. You, you cannot be a Christian and be lazy. And stay in church praying and confessing, God bless me, bless me, bless me. And you don't get your hand to walk. You don't belong to God's kingdom if you are doing that. All of you, you are claiming Abraham's blessings are mine. And you are not claiming, let all of Abraham's works be mine. <laughs> Amen. Do you know what it takes to train 318 people? And this man, let's continue. They went in pursuit as far as done. Let's continue, verse 15. He divided his forces against them by night, and he had his servant attack them and pursue them as far as Oba, which is not of Damascus. He was strategic, Abraham could plan. He he could plan strategically. He wasn't just doing it anyhow. Because he had limited people and he had to win the war. So he had to be strategic about it. How do I get more from what is seemingly little that I have? Look at strategy. Verse 15 now. He divided his forces against them by night. And he, and what? He did not just say, let me stay behind. And you just go. If you are a leader, you will stay in the front at all times. Meaning that someone that could train people to fight and win the war, he himself must be him. A fighter who could, who doesn't only know how to fight, but he also know how to plan. And these three hundred and eighteen people conquered how many kings? Come again. Possibly they are more because you have to look at their history too, and the people that have joined them or formed. Allies with them. 318 servants born in Abraham's house. And why did he set out to battle in the first place? Why? Eh? To rescue Lot. To rescue his. You see, at that point, Abraham set aside whatsoever that is. Whatever could have been differences between them. Uh, the fact that we parted ways and you choose a plane, a plane that is good without looking back. Perhaps you're not even coming, to say, coming back to t- say thank you uncle for allowing me to choose this place or give him report or something. Abraham set aside differences for the sake of law and went after the ones that have taken his nephew Captain. You must love your family. It's not a point where someone in your family is reaching out to you and saying, can you help me? Can you just pray for me? Can you just come visit me and give me counsel? I need you to just be by my side at this time. I'm not even talking about people asking you for money. And then you say, why should I pray for you? Have you forgotten what you did to my mother? Have you forgotten what you did to me? We must set aside differences for the sake of love. Love is the most important thing. God wants us to love. He really wants us to love and love genuinely. Abraham did not remind Lot or himself how Lot's men were fighting with his men. He did not say that you did not teach. Don't you know it is it is disrespectful to me that your men are fighting my men? They are they are literally fighting me too. You know that's the way we think sometimes. That you, are just, that you are speaking disrespectfully to my brother means you are also disrespecting me as well. We think that way. But Lord set aside whatever it is, differences the they could have had in the past. Whatever it is the Lord could have done to him or for him. He set that aside. And he went in pursuit to rescue. Him. His nephew. Abraham was a man of strength and he was a man of love. He was a peace loving man. You remember we said that earlier. He was a man whose life pleases God always returning back to God and worshipping. We're just going to stop here today. We'll look to verse 16, verse 14, 15, 16. Uh, 17 and 18 and that's where we possibly going to stop but I will encourage you to just in fact we are not going to stop there we will continue until we read where Abraham rested so clap for me now want me to just, one or two people to just do a recap of the things we've learned today. Just so I'm sure that you have been with me from the beginning up until this time. Yes, please, go ahead. One thing, one thing you've learned. How
1: are you so sure that it wasn't even God that allowed the um, strife between Abraham's uh, headsmen and that of Lord's headsmen for Abraham to be set, separated from his nephew so that he can do what he wants to do for him. Because the Bible also stated it clearly in that um, chapter, I think 13 so, where he said, now the Lord is separated from him. So he said, she raised his eyes and looked towards the north, the east, the south, and the west. That He's going to bless him. And going to give him the, his descendants to be as the dust of the earth. That if anybody is able to number the dust of the land, that be a dust of the earth. That's how they will be able to number his own um, descendants. Going to, verse 13, chapter thirteen, from verse five to ten. That's where they had the strife between the head Yes, men, yes, yes, and that of um, Abraham. And then you know, Abraham didn't. He did I'm not sure. Probably he also knew that this was what God was doing because he didn't even fight his cousin. He just called him, and said, "Please, I pray that um, you separate yourself from me. You you can choose maybe to the left, and I'll choose to the right, or you choose to the right, and I'll choose to the left." He might actually be working in even God's plan. So even we as human beings, sometimes God might actually bring a particular thing to happen in our lives, and we do not understand it. But you're very sure that you have that connection with God and you have that um, fellowship with God. Just trust God and obey what he wants um, from you. And then later on, you might turn back to see that those things were actually meant for your good, even though it's a bad situation at that time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so true. Uh, in other words, um, everything works together for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. You see, our experiences, uh, I just believe there is God in it. And there is a message that God is trying to pass across to us. Uh, When you look at the life of Joseph, just to buttress what she said, Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God has done it for my good. God is actually for my good. So, uh, yeah, possibly so. We go through experiences that are not nice. That might not look nice to us. That are not f- fantastic. But when we... I just will encourage us to seek God in all of those situations. I've I, I said this before. I could look back to my life and I, and I can say that all the things that I've gone through were just God preparing me for a life assignment. I can look back now and look at the event of 30 years ago. And I'm just grateful to God that he allowed that to happen. At that time, was it very nice? No. Or oh, the things possibly that I've, I've, I've been through. And I, I can just say thank you, God, for allowing those things to happen. Thank you. More importantly, thank you for keeping me. That I'm still standing by your grace and I can pick lessons from those life events and share it with people and um, their lives get better and transform their hope restored so at that point it wasn't nice it wasn't palatable it, was, it could be messy sometimes experiences could be messy that ah, you just don't want to talk about it but you really can share it and say oh uh, uh, it, is, it is all for my, for my good alright just like the life of that Somebody <laughs> he had gone through insanity, a man without right senses, living in tombs. So at some point in his life, somebody will remind him that uh-uh, you you were a mad person, and you could possibly talk and say, Yes, I was, but God healed me. Alright, and so he can do it for you too. That has turned to a testimony, right? Yeah, what about Mary Mary who's who was known to have demons in him, in her, rather? All right, so, you know, yeah, experiences sometimes might not be nice, but it's God working things out for our good. Thank you so much for your contributions. Thank you. That was quite insightful. Yes, any other person? You want to say something? Yes, continue. I
1: I also want to say that I think Abraham is not um, someone who when I say petty now, or hold grudges, because when the servant escaped to tell him this is what has happened, I think chapter 14, verse 14 also stated that when Abraham heard, he actually prepared his servants so that they can go with him to war. So let's just play back to ourselves as Christians now. Someone might have offended you, maybe a long time ago. If it was Abraham at that time, I say "Shebi, he wanted to show that he was in charge and no, all, or maybe his head's He couldn't place his house in order, and he was striving with me." I say "That is very fine for him. In fact, everything they should just go like nothing should. He won't even bother. Like yeah. he had the right to say he won't bother." But immediately he heard it. I think because of the love he had for him. He dropped everything he was having. Because I'm sure he would have been having other affairs that he wants to do, maybe he's seeing his yeah, household, his agenda. businesses, yes. But be- he business let says meetings. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but just make it but liking him to maybe the likes of them or Tedola and the rest they would have other things they're doing, but they dropped everything to go after his um, nephew to save him. So we should also have um, is he a forgiving spirit now. Yeah, we should so let go of grudges so. because sometimes the more we hold on to those things, our own lives too, we'll not be able to I don't know how to put it for We might not even get to do what we need to do because we're still having that grudge. He wouldn't have saved his nephew Mm. if he was still bitter towards him. Mm. So we should learn to also forgive. That's what I also learned from.
0: That's so true. One of the things I just, you know, gleaned from what you're saying now is that we should put family first. No wonder the Bible says that uh, a man that cannot provide for his household is worse than an infidel. But I'm looking at it from the perspective of putting family first. Doing all that we can to show love, care, and protection. With your children, your wife, your spouse, your, your, you know, put family first. It's, it's important. I think God is clear about it. You love God, you love your family, and then uh, work should not t- take you know, uh, the place of your family. Uh, in the agenda of things, or in, in the way, in your order of things, I would suggest that God, your family, maybe put yourself last, right? Uh, not, not the other way around. Not the other way around. Uh, a lot of people have lost families because of their businesses. Okay? Do not let it be uh, the way you live your life. Okay? Everything has their own place. We take everything with seriousness that it requires, I think we should set our priorities right. For Abraham, his family was important to him. More than his wealth, more than his businesses, more than his cows. Okay. All right. So, human life is more important than cow. Okay. Amen. <laughs> okay, so somebody, you want to say something else too? you're not talking from all the things you have learned today we have just five minutes more what have you learned she has all said everything now hallelujah
1: Okay, so um, one thing that um, I learned today is that people that God has told us to part with, we shouldn't um, hold on to them because he that said it, he knows why he has said it. And as we go in life, there are different stages and there are different seasons in life. And God knows who we need for that season. Yes, that's it and so, if he says, this person, you don't need it for that season. Fine, it doesn't mean you should fight with the person and the person becomes enemy. Mm. But you just know that for this season of my life, this person, I mean, is not, is not a part of it. So, yeah. It?
0: Yeah, we can part ways peacefully with people with things, with habits (laughs) that are not necessary for the next phase of our lives. That's what she just said to us. Abraham knew that, ah, it's just, just, I've come to a point where I think God is calling me on to greater things. And so I don't have to, you know, hold, hold on to my nephew. I just have to let him go. And you also could see that, you know, play out in Abraham's life when he was laying down his son on the the altar, Isaac Uh, you see, if this is what God wants from me, I will gladly let it go alright, we'll we'll get to that get to that part so thank you so much Uh, yeah, that's quite insightful I will not forget any other person? Yeah, Emmanuel. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, I think in every direction in life, we should seek this face of God first. Because Abraham is fa- like a father to Lot. He's supposed to choose first, but he lets God choose for him. And tell Lot the little boy to choose first. So he chooses to choose. If he chooses to fail, if he had allowed God to choose for him, he wouldn't have gone after those things that I can see. Yeah. So Abraham chooses after God because God chooses for him. That is why he allowed Lot to choose first. So if you. Let God direct you; you will go on the right path. So Amen. I, t- I think yeah. that's what I mm. learned from. Yeah, and I, I, I think uh, in addition to that, we we must also understand that uh, don't let what looks good—not uh, everything that looks good—is good. So we must. Check every intention, every, everything spiritually. I mean, with, let's see things from the eyes of God. Just like what they said, I, I also felt that decision, Abraham's decision was, was uh, orchestrated by God. He saw through the eyes of God. He made decisions. decision, you know, uh, says, I'm not going to put what I see really doesn't matter. Let God be the one to decide. So you, you chose. And whatever is left, I, I, I would think, I believe, that's, that's what God wants me to have. He didn't say to the Lord that, ah, you chose every beautiful place. You did not even leave anything for me. Where he chose was very lush. Perhaps what he left was just a desert. In fact, we need to go to history and see how that place must have looked like. Right? So let's see things from the from our uh, from the spiritual eyes. Amen. And all that looks good is good. Sometimes not every, every that should also inform our business decisions, our investment decisions, our relationships with people. Not everyone that looks beautiful is actually beautiful. And not every handsome, dark, tall, 6 pack looking human being to sing like an angel is actually good inside. Containers sometimes can be nice. And in that container there might be worms. All kinds of species. tanyan solium, ringworm, worm, Every kettle of worm Or worms, as it were. And I'm not talking about ladies alone. I'm also talking about every 6 pack muzzle looking like Eh, tall, slim, with teddy, and punk, punky, punky, punky like, with baritone. You get it. Talk as if it's thunder. <laughs> you know. And not every sonorous. Oh, hello. How are you? Have you eaten today? It's naturally nice oh. The heart of man is desperately wicked. you can know? It's only God. Let God choose for you. Don't just choose by by sight. Yes, you can see. You have to you need eyes to see. And you need ears to hear too. So you will see with your eyes, but God will speak to your let them who have ears, let them listen to what the Spirit is saying. And then from what the Spirit is saying, you can decipher whether you have seen well. Or oh, you need to see again because sometimes what you are seeing might look like men in trees. So when you are giving the second touch, you will then see men like men. Amen. And you see the intent of men, men the way it is. The act of man plants evil. That guy that is just slaking around might not just be the right person. Like I said, time is the revealer of all truth. Just the same way we realize that Lord did not choose well. They will not make mistakes in the name of Jesus. And that comes to our business decisions too. Not every scheme, not every investment platform is right. You know. Let the Lord lead us. The Lord will have mercy. I know sometimes you might want to... You don't have to live in um, regrets of decisions that, you, that you've made in the past. All right? Um, no one is perfect. Okay? God is merciful. He is... He's, God loves us so much. We'll, we'll, God is able to restore all that, he, all that we've lost. That's, that's God for you. He's more than able to do that for us. Let's see through the eyes of the Spirit. Amen. Even our choice of work too. The work might look nice. The pain might be very attractive. It may not last. It may not even be where God wants you to be. Bow head to pray. We're going to pray that God, I want to see things the way you see them. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to obey you. I want to love you the way I'm supposed to love you. In the name of Jesus. put our hands to the communion table as we partake of this table everything that is not of God in me everything that the Lord has not planted in my life and they are raising their heads, as I partake of this table they are uprooted in the name of Jesus only the will of God is permitted in my life every sickness they disappear stagnation, they flee. Every retrogression, they cease right now in the name of Jesus. Every delay, they are rolled away. Confusion becomes clear. You will no longer be confused in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything that is not found in the blood of Jesus and is in your body, sickness is under the blood of Jesus. The Bible says, By his stripes, we have made it all poverty flee from you today in the name of Jesus as you partake of this communion table limitation leave your life in the mighty name of Jesus sickness and diseases they are far from your household in the name of Jesus depression will flee in the name of Jesus thank you glorious father in Jesus name we have prayed